Hello. Today is September 5th, 2020. This is the Librarian's Almanac. On this day in 1897, the American author William Faulkner was born in New Albany, Mississippi, in the United States. Faulkner's work draws from his world. His work is a kind of glimpse into the sustained world of the American Southern social hierarchy, left over from the Civil War. One of his more notable novels, Sound of Fury, is a good example of that. The setting is Mississippi, Faulkner's home state, during the early 1900s. Slavery is still in the personal memory of many people. Former slave owners like the Compson family in the book still have black live-in servants who act as house slaves, except in the legal sense. African Americans continue to be second-class citizens during this time and in Faulkner's lifetime. Post-Civil War policies for instituting equal rights and slave reparations were falling through by this time. So white people like the Compson family have clear power over the time and economic opportunities for their servants. Like Dilsey. Today's excerpt is focused on Dilsey. Just after one of the Compson's children born away. Dilsey is a constant in the family's life. She is their live-in servant, staying with them from when the children were babies to full adulthood. Faulkner makes her, in some ways, their foil. Where the Thompsons are supposed to be uh, the example of Southern values, Dilsey actually lifts them. She is constantly full of love and holds onto her family in ways the Compsons wish they could, and yet miserably fail. Here is that excerpt. Delsey made no sound. Her face did not quiver as the tears took their sunken and devious courses, walking with her head up, making no effort to dry them away even. Why you quit that, Mammy? Frowny said. With all these people looking, we be passing white folks soon. I'd see de first and de last, Dilsey said. Never you mind me. First and last what? Frowny said. Never you mind, Dilsey said. I see de beginning, and now I cease de ending. Before they reached the street, though, she stopped and lifted her skirt and dried her, her eyes on the hem of her topmost underskirt. Then they went on. Ben shambled along beside Dilsley, watching Lester, who annexed along ahead. The umbrella in his hand and his new straw hat slanted viciously in the sunlight, like a big foolish dog watching a small clever one. They reached the gate and entered. Immediately Ben began to whimper again. For a while, all of them looked up the drive at the square, paintless house with its rotting portico. "'What's going on up there today?' Ronnie said. "'Something is.' "'Nothing,' Dilsey said. "'You tend to your business and let the white folks tend to dare.' "'Something is,' Ronnie said. "'I heard him first thing this morning. 
Tain't none of my business, though. And I knows what, too, Lester said. You knows more than you got for any use for, Disley said. Ain't you just heard Frony say hit none of your business? You take Benji on to back and keep him quiet while I put dinner on. I know where Miss Quinton is, Lester said. Then just keep it, Dilsey said. As soon as Quinton need any of your advice, I'll let you know. Y'all going and play in the back now. You know what gonna happen as soon as they start playing that ball over yonder, Lester said. They won't start for a while yet. By that time, T.P. be here and take him riding. Here, you give me that new hat. Lester gave her the hat, and he and Ben went across to the backyard. Ben was still whimpering, though not loud. Disley and Frony went to the cabin. After a while, Dilsley emerged, again in the faded calico dress, and went to the kitchen. The fire had died down. There was no sound in the house. She put on the apron and went upstairs. There was no sound anywhere. Quinton's room was as they had left it. She entered and picked up the undergarment and put the stocking back in the drawer and closed it. Mrs. Compson's door was closed. Dilsey stood beside it for a moment listening. Then she opened it and entered entered a pervading rink of camphor. The shades were drawn, the room in Halphite, and the bed, so that first she thought Mrs. Compson was asleep and was about to close the door when the other spoke. Well, she said, what is it? It's me, Dilsley said. You want anything? Mrs. Compson didn't answer. After a while, without moving her head at all, she said, Where's Jason? He ain't come back yet, Dilsley said. What you want? Mrs. Compson said nothing. Like so many cold, weak people, when faced at last by the incontrovertible disaster she exhumed from somewhere, a sort of fortitude, strength, in her case, it was an unshakable conviction regarding the yet unplumbed event. Well, she said presently, did you find it? Find what? What you talking about? The note. At least she would have had enough consideration to leave a note. Even Quentin did that. What you talking about? Dilsley said. Don't you know she all right? I bet she'd be walking right in disto before dark. Fiddlesticks, Mrs. Compson said. It's in the blood. Like uncle, like niece, or mother, I don't know which would be worse. I don't seem to care. What you keep talking that way for? Dilsey said. What she want to do anything like that for? I don't know. What reason did Quentin have? Under God's heaven, what reason did he have? It can't be simply to flout and hurt me. Whoever God is, he would not permit that. I'm a lady. You might not believe that from my offspring, but I am. You just wait and see, Dilsey said. She be here by night, right there in her bed. 
Mrs. Compson said nothing. The camper-soaked cloth lay upon her brow. The black robe lay across the foot of the bed. Dilsey stood with her hand on the doorknob. Feel free to shoot me an email. If you'd like notes and sources related to today's episode, please be sure to rate and or review this podcast on the platform you found it on. Feedback is love. My name is Liz. You've been listening to The Librarian's Almanac, written and created by me. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Gosh darn it, Faulkner. I'm not from Mississippi. I don't know how these people talk.